Today is December 28th, 2020. Trump vetoes the stimulus bill passed by Congress. A new strain of the coronavirus appears to be more contagious. And a bomb goes off in Nashville on Christmas Day. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We are back from our Christmas break, ready to bring you all the best insights from both the left and the right side of the aisle. We're looking at the good, we're looking at the bad, and we're looking at all that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. I hope that all of you enjoyed your holiday just as much as I enjoyed mine. I got to spend some great time with friends and with family, and I opened up some good gifts, had an awesome time. So hope that all of you guys also did as well. If you are new with us, first time listening to the podcast, let me give you a little bit, little tidbit about what we do here at Split the Difference. So we are a political podcast that does our best to look at both sides of the aisle and acknowledge where both sides are good and where both sides are bad and try our best to bring good civil discourse to the conversation around politics. We're doing our best to form a little bit of a community, have some unity in the political discussion, and, you know, have informed opinions that even though they may be may be differing from another person, uh, we want to do our best to cultivate good conversation and not try to lean into all the division that we normally see right now in politics. So if that's something that you're interested in, please join us and hop on in with us as we take a look at our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, Trump vetoed the stimulus package. This is more than likely where we're going to spend uh, the majority of our time today because I think it's a pretty big story that's happened over the past week. Uh, We covered in our podcast last Monday, the last time we were together, about uh, the Congress going through and passing a stimulus package and a spending bill. Well, Trump subsequently vetoed that spending bill uh, within this past week, and it has caused a whole lot of hubbub in Washington. Um, And we'll get a little bit, I guess, into the left and the right and kind of what everybody's saying. So, over the holiday, Trump decided not to sign that stimulus package down in Mar-a-Lago, which is where he was staying for Christmas. Um, Congress passed the bill late or, or very, very early of last week, so I think on Sunday night leading into Monday, um, and then left Capitol Hill to go home to be with their families over the Christmas holiday, and Trump decided not to pass it. So um, right now, basically all of Congress is coming back into Capitol Hill today, see if they can work on trying to get something passed so that a lot of these federal benefits and a lot of federal aid uh, doesn't just stop, all right? And also, I mean, they're coming up, I believe tomorrow, uh, there will be a partial government shutdown if they're not able to actually pass the omnibus spending bill. So uh, it originally passed with the amount needed to override a veto. I believe in the Senate, it passed like 91 to 7. So in order to override a Senate, both houses of Congress have to pass it with a two-thirds majority. But many people are thinking that it actually wouldn't pass with enough support to be able to override a presidential veto now that Trump has actually vetoed it. And a lot of people are thinking that there's going to be a good amount of Republicans that kind of sign on with Trump to vote against it if there's not any changes. Um, 
So he's basically come out and said that he wasn't going to sign it for a couple of reasons, okay? The first reason, and I think the reason that has been most widely publicized, is that it doesn't have nearly enough money that is given to everyday Americans in the form of the stimulus check. So if you remember earlier in the year, we had a $1,200 stimulus check that was sent out to almost all Americans under a specific income threshold, they were planning to do the exact same thing, except this time around, it would only be $600 per person. Well, Trump says that that's not nearly enough, and he has argued that there needs to be $2,000 for every American under that certain same income level that there was before. So basically what Trump is coming out and saying is that there's a whole lot of money, and not only in the coronavirus portion, because we have to remember this is actually broken up kind of into two separate things, so it's the actual spending bill that Congress has to pass along with a COVID stimulus package, okay? So he's arguing that not only in the COVID stimulus package is there not enough money going to Americans themselves, they're, you know, it's spread out over a multitude of different things, but he's also saying that they're spending way too much time uh, passing a bunch of, a bunch of laws and legislation in the, reg in the overarching spending package uh, and ignoring the problems of everyday Americans, um, which is, we'll kind of get into in the second point. So uh, this the first point of them needing there needing to be a higher amount of money given to every person in America is something that has actually gotten a good amount of support, primarily outside of Washington. Believe it or not, there are actually a lot of Democrats and a lot of people on the left side of the aisle, along with Republicans, that are supporting this push from Donald Trump. They may not have supported the way that he went about doing it in the veto, but they're actually agreeing with Donald Trump. And there's many people that are political pundits that are um, even just everyday people on social media that are coming out and being like, I never thought that I'd agree with anything Donald Trump has said, but I actually agree with Donald Trump here. They're giving way too much money to large corporations. They're giving way too much money to bail people out that don't need to be bailed out. And instead, they should be giving that money to American people if the government is going to give American people money in the form of a check directly into each American's po uh, pockets. So quite frankly, I agree with that completely. Okay. I have said countless times on this podcast, I personally am not a fan of the government handing out money. Okay. I don't think that's what the government is there for. I don't think the government should just be doling out money to people every single day. Okay. But if people need help and they are looking to the federal government to do it, the federal government should be putting it into the pockets of the consumers as opposed to large businesses. I would much rather the federal government give out a $2,000 check to every single American every month than bail out airlines or you know bail out countless other large corporations that ended up getting money and completely forgiven loans from the federal government over this past year. So... Um, if there's anything that anybody that should be given money, it should be the everyday person, the people that are uh, the, that are hit the hardest because of the coronavirus, people in the service industry, people that are unable to work, and that can be done through jobless benefits, it can be done through a stimulus payment to every single American. Um, but a lot of people, Trump has actually garnered a good amount of support from both sides of the aisle looking at Congress and saying, look, you, you failed, you failed the American people in this. So, the second big point that Trump has made is that there's a lot of stuff in the entirety of the spending package that is pretty out there, okay? So the full package was over 5,000 pages. I think it was almost 5,600 pages long. Congress had, and I'm not, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, 
Each congressional delegate had six hours to review this bill before they voted on it. Six hours. I don't know how fast you read and how many pages that you can read an hour. I do not read about a thousand pages an hour. I don't. I don't know anybody that can read, you know, just under a thousand pages an hour. That is unbelievable. And they do this on purpose, right? Like, they roll out these gigantic packages and all grouping together a whole bunch of different things all in once. And they always do it with the spending bill because they know they have to get the spending bill passed and they can just throw a whole bunch of crap in there that they want to be able to get passed. And it'll pass because people don't want to be the ones that are responsible for not giving American aid, Americans aid or uh, for not uh, for having a, a government shutdown. Congressional, I mean, politicians do this all the time. Nancy Pelosi is famous for it. So here are some kind of crazy examples of some of the stuff that that is in this actual spending bill. So uh, there's money given to Middle Eastern countries to build border walls. So there's money given to Jordan. There's money given basically on the border, a bunch of countries that are bordering Syria so that they can actually build border walls along their countries to keep out terrorists and to be a better control the inflow of immigration in and out of their countries in the Middle East. While at the same time, (laughs) ICE and all of the border control that we have here in the United States actually had a reduced budget within our spending bill. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, There was also a deduction included within the spending bill for expenses of businesses that are specifically spent on alcohol. You heard that right. There were, you now as a business, according under the spending bill, have certain provisions that you may be able to use and tap into that would actually allow you to write off more money and more expenses and alcohol that you may spend on client lunches and stuff like that. Absolutely amazing. But they only gave $600 for Americans within within the actual stimulus package. So the unfortunate thing is, is that Trump is honestly right about this. A lot of the stuff in the spending bill was tacked on because they knew they needed to pass something and they wanted to be able to squeeze in some very partisan stuff. They wanted to be able to squeeze in some stuff for all the people that are up there lobbying on Capitol Hill all the time, trying to get these congressmen and women in order to pass, you know, to pass things that they need and that they want. And Trump is not wrong when he goes through and says that there's a whole bunch of crap in there that doesn't need to be in there. He also is wrong. He's also pretty right that Congress pretty much dropped the ball on this in a lot of ways. The unfortunate thing, and if this is the only, I guess the, the critique that I have of Trump about this is that he waited so long in making his displeasure with this spending bill known, literally until the last minute actually vetoing the bill. So Donald Trump and every presidential administration has people that represent their administration in on the vast majority of the you know negotiations and stuff that go back and forth in Congress, especially with large spending bills and you know packages like was passed last week. So Trump n- knew maybe not every little bit, but he knew the vast majority of what was going into the spending bills. He obviously knew that there was going to be about a five to seven hundred dollar check stimulus check that was sent out because that was stuff that we talked about last week and the week before that, right? Like that was very common knowledge. Trump chose not to say anything until the last minute and then actually veto the bill in its entirety, which I think in some ways ended up kind of hampering some of the negotiations back and forth. 
you could also argue that this was a very, very good play politically by Trump to try and hold a lot of these congressmen and women's feet to the fire and force them to actually go and get their job done when they come back from Christmas. But you know, we'll have to, all that is yet to be seen. Um, and unfortunately right now, a time is running out for a lot of people, uh, in the benefits that they are going to be losing because the stimulus bill has not been passed. So as I talked about a little bit in last week's podcast, um, there's, there was supposed to be an end, uh, to an evictions moratorium. Uh, if this doesn't get passed, jobless benefits are running out. If this doesn't get passed, funding for small businesses is on the table with all this. And there could be a partial government shutdown tomorrow if they actually don't get in and sign something. So it is pretty imperative that a spending bill and that something is passed and that something is done in order to be able to, you know, get people the help that they need while at the same time keeping the government up and running and processing the way that they should. Uh, A lot of people were saying that congressional leadership, men and women, should not be paid any money at all. They shouldn't be paid any of their salaries until they actually go through and pass the spending bill. I think that's a fantastic idea. I think we should start doing that more often. But, you know, that'll never happen because Congress holds the power of the purse and it would actually be up to them whether or not they got paid. And we know they're always going to get paid. So, However much you may like or dislike Donald Trump, I do appreciate the fact that he's playing hardball and trying his best to hold Congress accountable in this last month that he's in office, right? He's not in office for very much longer. He could very easily just be like, you know what, whatever, I'm going to sign the bill, just like the majority of those congressmen and women did and not think anything about it. But he's actually holding them accountable. And I do appreciate that about Trump right now. Um, And this, I think, goes through and highlights just how important it is for you to vote people into Congress that you think will actually be benefiting the American people. People that are getting that right now, there are some people in Congress, you know, that are not in there for the benefit of their electorate and the benefit of the American people. And it's incredibly important for us to vote in people that actually will bring benefit to the American people. And deciding that is very difficult. You obviously have to do a lot of research, but I think that the more that the American people are holding their congressmen and women accountable, hopefully the more that that will start to change, right? Like we're the ones that vote them in there and we're the ones that decide, you know, what all they're going to do. And politics is a little bit down the, down the stream a little bit, down the river from culture. And if the culture starts to change around how we hold our congressmen and women accountable, Hopefully some of this stuff like these spending bills will start to pat, start to change as well. So there were some people in Congress that actually voted against the spending bill. Uh, most notably and most outspoken was probably Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, she was one of the Democratic uh, people that were running for the nomination on the Democratic ticket for the presidential election. I personally think Tulsi Gabbard is awesome. She's very moderate. She's very, very smart, well-spoken. And she was basically sounding the alarm bells last week being like, dude, this spinning bill is not good. She had a segment actually on Fox News where she went in and talked about how awful it was. Um, and it was it was really good. Her points are very well articulated. Um, she's pretty interesting if you ever want to go and look her up as well. So um, we need more congressmen and women to stand up and say that changes need to be made and not just like allow stuff like this to happen. Um, last little note about this, um, Rand Paul actually had a really good speech in Congress last week. It's about 12 minutes long. My, uh, I believe my uncle was the one that told me about it. I hadn't heard it or seen it last week. Um, but it's really, really interesting. I will link it in the show notes. It gives a very, very libertarian view of spending. So, 
a couple weeks ago, you know, we went through and talked about in our podcast the difference between different economic policies and stuff. And Rand Paul, who was a very outspoken fiscal conservative or really fiscal libertarian in a lot of ways, um, he came through and basically was like, we, you know, we're not focusing on the things that we need to focus on. And right now our budget continues to balloon and it's not of benefit to the American people. And he gives a very, very good, uh, pointed call out of the Republicans in Congress and the amount of hypocrisy that they have developed over the past 15 to 20 years in their fiscal spending. So really, really interesting stuff. I will link that in the show notes for you to listen to because it is, I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't agree with every single thing that he said. I'm sure that you won't either. That's perfectly okay. I just think it's a good perspective um, uh, from a Republican criticizing other Republicans around the spending bill. So with all of that having been said, Let's go ahead and move on into our second story of the day, story number two. So the second story of the day, we have a new coronavirus strain again, and this one doesn't look great. So in the United Kingdom, a new strain of coronavirus is starting to move and make its way into the surrounding European countries. Right now, it looks like France, Italy, Germany, Spain the Netherlands, Sweden, and Denmark were among those that were reporting cases. I think there were also a few cases in Japan as well. So it was spreading, kind of started looking like it's starting to move in and throughout the world. Um, so let's go ahead and hop in real quick uh, to, this is done by um, ABC News, a quick little look at uh, them reporting on it now. This morning, new fears in the UK. Officials announcing yet another new variant of COVID-19. This time in two people who had been in contact with others who had recently traveled to South Africa, where this new strain is believed to be ripping through the country in record numbers. This new variant is highly concerning because it is yet more transmissible and it appears to have mutated further than the new variant that's been discovered in the UK. This is the second new strain of the virus British officials have announced this week. And while they do not believe either are more lethal, they do think both are more contagious. There are certainly many thousands of cases of the new variant in the UK. These back-to-back -back announcements are plunging the UK further into crisis. On Wednesday, the country set a grim one-day record, the government announcing more than 39,000 new cases. With the holidays just around the corner, much of the UK has now been put into even stricter restrictions and lockdowns. And dozens of nations are now banning travel from the UK, some calling it Plague Island. All right. So um, as that video just said, it looks like there's a new strain. It doesn't appear, fortunately, that there's an increase in the mortality rate that they have been able to find so far. The strain... It actually was discovered sometime around September, but they didn't know of its effects. They didn't necessarily know if it was one that would die out or continue to move and like make its way into other people uh, until, you know, really within this past week or so. And they discovered that it actually is more contagious. There are some reports that are saying that it's anywhere between 50 to 60% more contagious than the current coronavirus, more popular coronavirus strain that is uh, making its way through the United States and through the rest of the world. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to it, though, it's obvious that if it's more contagious, the mortality rate may not necessarily be higher, but the uh, amount of people that are infected will be higher and the actual number of deaths will, of course, be higher. The more people that are infected with the disease, even if it is not extremely, uh, extremely lethal or deadly, it still means that there will be more people that pass away from it. Um, so this has highlighted a concern that a lot of immunologists have had for a while. 
So as many people know, viruses mutate and they evolve and they change over time. Every single year and, you know, over months and, you know, over the course throughout the world, different viruses change their genetic makeup a bit in order to better adapt to their environment and better survive and better infect hosts because that's how viruses continue to propagate, right? Um, This is the reason why you got a new, you have to get a new flu shot every single year. Flu, the different influenza strains change and alter slightly, and they make it better at fighting back against the uh, the vaccines and stuff that were there from the previous year. So many of people have worried for a lot of 22, uh, 2020, I mean, that COVID will be very, very similar to that, that basically it will change and we'll have to continuously get vaccines every year in order to avoid spreading it quickly across populations. So in other words, very not good stuff. So many have called for Trump to shut down travel from the from the United Kingdom, similar to how he shut down travel from China earlier in the year. Andrew Cuomo, most notably, has come out and called for travel bans, saying, quote, Today, that variant, speaking of the, variant, the new variant of COVID-19, is getting on a plane and landing at JFK. So he was referring to six flights every day that fly into New York City from the United Kingdom, uh, which means that, you know, right now, New York City has a pretty high risk of having that new variant of the coronavirus that could be much more contagious fly into JFK area and then make its way subsequently into the rest of New York City or wherever it is that those people travel. So um, at this point, the CDC uh, within, I think, the past couple of days announced that travelers from the UK would need a negative COVID-19 test within three days of boarding the plane to the United States. Um which, you know, hopefully helping to pare down people that would be coming in that would be infected. It does look like all the tests that we have worldwide uh, do pick up on this new strain of the coronavirus. And it also does appear that the vaccines that have been rolled out to a lot of the UK and a lot of Europe at this point in time also are effective in inoculating people from the new strain as well. So that is very, very good news. Uh, Many people are saying that this you know, just proves the importance of getting the vaccine out as quickly as possible into as many people as possible. Um, the CDC has not reported any cases of the new strain in the United States as of now, but they're basically saying this could already be here and we just don't know it. So, um, all the while, while all of this has been going on, Trump has been increasing his attacks on democratic run states that have implemented lockdowns and shutdowns to their economies. Um, politicizing this, you know, just in the same way that it's been politicized throughout the entirety of the year. I think that what you're starting to see slowly and surely, though, is that a lot of people are, one, becoming really tired of hearing uh, about the coronavirus. People are just, I mean, they are worn out from talking about this thing. But secondly, I think that the everyday person is starting to get really, really tired of this being so politicized. They're tired of politicians using this as a football to punt back and forth in order to be able to gain political points on Capitol Hill instead of actually helping out and implementing policies that would be of benefit to people within the United States. Uh, it is clear that uh, having a one-pronged approach is not going to work. There will need to be better medicine and better treatment. There will need to be a good vaccine that helps to inoculate the vast majority of the population. There will need to be better communication from the government and from politicians, not politicians like Gavin Newsom out in California that are locking everything down and then turning around and 
you know, going to uh, going to large parties and stuff like that where nobody's even wearing a mask and they're all inside, right? You can't have that type of action taken by your elected officials because they're the ones that are locking things down or trying to say what the American people need to do in order to discontinue the spread of the virus. There obviously needs to be an incredibly less amount of politization of this disease because it is ridiculous that this is even something that the left and right is fighting about. Uh, they need everybody needs at this point to band together to make sure that it's uh, and it gets put away. Um, I also think a huge emphasis that has not been had at all is the importance of health and ways to improve your body's immune response to disease in general. Right? This has been completely non-existent among any of the communication by the CDC, by any of the politicians, like. The number one goal that they have is, well, we need to, you know, have all these large health and pharmaceutical companies make a vaccine, make better medicine. And of course, that's important. But we also need education about how to treat your body well, what vitamins and supplements that you need to take in order to be able to keep yourself from having much more devastating effects of the coronavirus if you were to contract it. That has been completely non-existent. So all of these need to be in effect at the same time in order for it to happen. And currently, our political leadership in the United States just has not been able to do that and get it done. Obviously, we don't know if that'll happen when Biden gets in. I hope that it happens when Biden gets in. I don't see uh, politics, you know, around the coronavirus getting less, but hopefully the American people will stand up and just start getting tired enough of it where things will actually start to move and change on Capitol Hill. But, you know, all that's yet to be seen. So with all of that having been said, let's move on into our last story of the day. Story number three. So for our third story of the day, uh, it's a little bit, you know, I guess of a downer in a lot of ways, but a bomb went out uh, off on uh, in, Na- in Nashville, Tennessee on Christmas Day. So uh, there was a bomb planted inside of an RV uh, right outside of an AT&T building, injuring three people and damaging 41 buildings. Uh, we can go ahead and hop in real quick and take a look at uh, this reporting was done by today. Um and taking a look at the bombing that took place in Nashville. This morning in Nashville, authorities may be closer to figuring out who set off a bomb on Christmas and why. During the past 24 hours, our joint investigative team fielded nearly 500 tips. Saturday, investigators converged on this neighborhood just outside the city. Senior federal law enforcement officials telling NBC News they searched the home of 63-year-old Anthony Quinn Warner. A possible clue, they say, is a Google Street View image showing an RV at his address, matching the vehicle Nashville police say was used in the bombing. Is there any indication at this point that this was one person or multiple individuals that conspired to do this? Well, we just don't know. That's one of those things we're just trying to run to ground. Uh, As of right now, we don't have evidence that it's more than one, but we're not going to assume it's not. Right. So. At this point, they don't have a ton of information around what all went on. It is baffling a lot of people, though, because of the warning that was aired over speakers before the bomb went off. So very, very unusual circumstances surrounded this bombing in Nashville. Uh, First, there were shots that were fired near the downtown area where the RV was parked, and police were already at the scene checking things out and responding to calls of a gunshot that went off. 
Shortly after they get there, they see an RV that is parked in front of this AT&T building. And there is over loudspeakers a female voice that is saying that there is a bomb within the vehicle that is going to explode and that people should evacuate the area. This allowed police enough time actually to be able to evacuate as many people as possible away from the vehicle. The bomb then subsequently exploded and destroyed a couple buildings and severely damaged a lot more um, also, if you listen to a little bit later on in the video, it talks about how a lot of different cell service and a bunch of stuff through AT&T actually was damaged. It uh, damaged a whole bunch of people being able to call 911, uh, and it also damaged internet service uh, and, and you know service for a whole bunch of people all throughout Tennessee and northern Georgia and Alabama and up into Kentucky as well. Um, so. A lot of people were able to get away from the bomb before it went off, thank the Lord, uh, and not very many people were injured, and it doesn't look like reporting right now that there were any people that actually died from the bomb. Um, Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee requested an emergency declaration from the Trump administration for the area affected. Um, he's asking for federal help in the investigation as to what happened, along with help from removing debris and cleaning the area up so that it is you know, habitable after this. Um, many people on the internet actually started campaigning for and pledging money for a reward on information around the bomber. Um, all this, obviously, in the hopes that uh, you would convince someone to come forward with any information that they had to be able to figure out why this happened and who it was that did it. Uh, there's, I don't think that they've been able to find a lot of evidence that there was somebody within the car. They think that there could have been somebody in the RV, uh, and they're, I think, investigating to see if that you know, if there actual was human tissue there that could lead them to who the bomber was. Um, but I think the, sh the difficult part about this is the sheer volume of tips and different things that the FBI gets. Um, and they have to investigate all of them. You know, you heard the guy from the head of the FBI there that was doing the investigation saying that they had over 500 from the week. That was as of yesterday, I believe. So, uh, fortunately no one was killed, but you know, and if they're going to figure out who, who did all this, they're going to have to do a lot of investigating and they're going to have to do it very, very quickly. So, um, this isn't a whole left or right side of the aisle issue. I just thought that it was an important story that needed to be talked about a bit. It definitely sucks and it kind of breaks my heart that it happened, but hopefully it'll be an opportunity for the community of Nashville to kind of come together and, you know, help each other out in ways that they need to be helped. So um, with all of that, that is the end of our third story of the day. Let's go ahead and finish up the show on something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week is, drumroll please, brrr, split the difference t-shirts. As many of you, or I guess any of you that are watching this online or on my YouTube channel can see, I'm wearing a split the difference t-shirt. So my wife, for Christmas, because she's just the best person ever, as I've said before and as I will continue to say forever, she is the bomb. So she goes out and decides to get a whole bunch of Split the Difference t-shirts and get them all out to friends and family. And a whole bunch of people were rocking these over the past couple of days. And I am super excited about it. It's the first bit of merch that we have had so far. And if you are interested in getting a Split the Difference t-shirt, 
shoot me a message on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, or if you have my number, give me a call or a text, and I would love to be able to get you a Split the Difference t-shirt. Hey, listen, the more that we can get the word out, the better, okay? Because we're doing some awesome stuff here on Split the Difference podcast. We're doing our best to bring you all the good on good and the bad on the left side and the right side of the aisle, and I think there's some people out there that are enjoying it and continuing to follow along, so... These t-shirts were awesome. It definitely made me super happy. So um, with all that, that is the show for today. Thank you for stopping in and checking us out. Remember to find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My website at splitthedifference.com with one T. Give me a like, drop me a subscribe, give me a thumbs up. All that stuff helps so much. Uh, And getting my name out there and getting more people, I guess, following along with us and joining in as we do our best, as always, to keep a level head, to always be reasonable, and of course, to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.